Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dan Francesco. I'm the Deputy Editor of Cellside Technology. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, U.S. Editor Anthony Malakian. Thrilled to be here, considering that it's 85 degrees outside and sunny, so it's nice to be here in this dank dungeon with you. Yeah, let's pause and just everybody that's listening, maybe give a round of applause to, to Anthony and I for uh, for battling through. And on this beautiful day, right before a long weekend, we're still going to give the people what they want. And what the people want is apparently our podcast. Uh, last week was a roaring success. I think I speak for both Anthony and I when I say that we got the most feedback we've ever gotten of any of our podcasts based off that PRs, do's and don'ts. Um, for a one-off week, it got the most hits of any of our other podcasts. So um, glad to hear you're listening. Glad to hear. So basically, I think feedback. that uh, I think that we should just make this a theme, and just every single week, why talk about fintech? Let's just talk about PR Let's people. Crap on PR people. <laughs> yeah, just tell people what they're doing. See, I wonder. Part of me wonders if they actually enjoyed it, or they're like, "Oh, I hope I'm not on that water shit list. I better reach out to them and say how great that uh, that podcast was." So, um, but whatever it is, it's uh, we're happy. We're we're you know resonating with you and making some waves and speaking of of pr people a pr person cheryl lee over at uh bmp Parabas set up a uh a, a chat i had with uh bmp Parabas security services man uh, you nailed Claudine. that transition right there let me yeah. tell you that Thank was you. some brilliance in transitioning so good that's why they pay me the big bucks anthony that's why they pay me the big bucks uh so I uh, had a chat with Claudine Gallagher, who is the North American Regional Head of Security Services at BMP, and really enlightening stuff, basically just about how BMP is trying to take their custody custodian business and make basically move it from five to four. Uh, for those of you not familiar with the space, essentially there is a big four. It's JP Morgan, BNY Mellon, State Street, and City. And uh, BMP is trying to kind of make that jump. And I wrote a story about it. We'll post the link as always in the in the in the uh, in the post. But one thing that really stuck out to me, first of all, Claudine, very, very intelligent person, very smart. Uh, I didn't mention this in the story, but kind of got a little bit of her background. When she was originally from New York, uh, from actually Eastchester, Tuckahoe. And uh, she, as a high schooler, basically was sent to middle of nowhere France, uh, had learned a little bit of French, but was sent to middle of nowhere France and lived Jamie there for a few years. which means I will remember that I was born under the Fleur de Lis, but raised under the English Rose. Go on. But that's what I learned at Plattsburgh. Okay. Well, I learned poutine in Plattsburgh. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I'm always very impressed by anyone that can kind of fluently speak multiple languages. Uh, I think that it's a great sign of intelligence. Clearly, I cannot, which shows my lack of intelligence. I don't know, Anthony, are you multilingual at all? Io parlo di italiano così così. Yeah, that's just, he throws out a couple phrases in... Uh, in... I know a shocking number of Serbian curse words uh, from my times, you know, staying out in uh, Serbia and Belgrade. So that I could really do, but I'll keep, uh, this is a family show, so... I know, uh, I know, un poco uh, español. Uh, that mean that's a little uh, Spanish for those of you that don't understand Spanish. But that's about it. But I digress. So uh, the the conversation was interesting, you know, about their their attempted move. It's basically a ten year program from five to four. One thing that really stood out to me was the fact that they basically have no presence at all 
um, in the United States, despite the fact that they're the fifth largest in the world in custodian services, uh, they, you know, they had basically a relationships office and a sales office, but nothing. So kind of Claudine and her team, you know, she came on in, in 2012, um, 20, yeah, 2012, yeah, started in 2010. She kind of helped kind of build from the ground up. Uh, I wrote the story. You can read my, you know, my take on it all, or I'll give my take on it. But Anthony, is, as an outsider that didn't sit on the meeting, what were your biggest takeaways from, from the piece? Well, basically when Dan said, you know, we, we always discuss, you know, okay, what are we going to talk about on this podcast? And uh, he's like, oh, I want to talk about uh, the BMP Paribus story and their uh, custody service business. And I was just like, shit, I don't really know anything about that. Um, I know what a custodian bank does. It's a pretty simple definition of a custodian bank, but what lies underneath that and stuff, I've never, you know, I've been more focused on the buy side, so, you know, I'm not really familiar at all. So I decided to do a little bit of research myself, Dan, just for this here podcast. Oh, I'm so appreciative of the work you're putting in. I mean, really, I, I am a hero. And uh, <laughs> so I type in custody service uh, services and technology in the, into the old Google. Tell me something came up about like people getting arrested. <laughs> no, 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 as you would expect, uh, no, nothing like that came up. Um, but the first article was uh, a Vestopedia article about Vestopedia. will technology ever disrupt the role of the custodian bank? Apparently, technology is considered a threat to custodian banks. But you know, basically, the the gist of this uh, two hundred word story is that no, you know that that custodian banks will adjust. What does that add to this value to this conversation of value? Um, absolutely nothing. Uh, I really have nothing <laughs> on it. But uh, well, let it me was hear. a good let read. Me... It was a good story. It's a good read, and I was just more jealous that you got to go out. You know, meet you know BMP, one of my favorite PR people there. That's what I was upset about. But yeah, yeah. no, Cheryl's always always great, and uh, and Claudine, like I said, was very very interesting. But uh, what I will say about this one, you know, we I didn't get you know. Uh, Claudine, we, Claudine and I didn't get too deep into the weeds of technology. It was more a general overview about their growth plans, and you can read about. But one thing that really stood out to me was the fact that uh, you know this was more their their base is European clients, and they uh, it was more kind of to offer this global offering because, like I said, they didn't have that U.S. presence. Uh, but the fact that they were able to kind of slice off the mid tiers, you know, not the big players, but the mid tiers that really felt. Uh, you know, as Claudine said, unloved um, by the fact that they, uh, they, you know, the these bigger, the big four kind of had to reel back a couple things because of the financial crisis and kind of who takes the big hit. Well, you're not going to pull back on your services to the bigger ones, but maybe the mid tier, you're going to maybe not help out as much. So I thought that was really interesting that that was a a, a space of opportunity for them uh, because and you know because they're a little bit small, a little more agile, they were able to have more customer facing stuff. Um, but like I said, read the story. Uh, you know, interesting stuff. I think it's something to keep an eye on. They're about, they're more than halfway through. So we'll see how, uh, that, that process goes, uh, switching gears to the buy side and to Anthony's topic, uh, a couple stories he's written over the past few weeks is focused on, uh, KYC wrote a really big, great piece. Um, big, great piece, <laughs> big, great piece, uh, on Bloomberg and entity exchange. Uh, Anthony, how about you explain a little bit about that? 
Sure. Um, so just, I guess, look at the, the broader context here, KYC to, you know, and onboarding and the buy side's role in this process. Um, it's a feature that I'll be looking at for the future. Um, but, you know, there were a couple news events recently, I guess I caught my eyes. So I spoke with uh, Dan Matthews, uh, who heads uh, Bloomberg Entity Exchange, which was launched this week. Um, basically, it's designed to make it easier for buy side firms to open new trade accounts. Uh, this all stems uh, an ITA report, which was commissioned by Bloomberg, uh, interviewed 200 hedge funds, and it found that uh, 70% of those hedge funds had at least 30 um, partners, uh, custodian uh, <laughs> counterparties, had 30 plus counterparties. Jesus, am I just screwing this one up? I'm throw you a quick lifeline. Yeah. I'm gonna throw you a quick lifeline. Were you that that so that's right up in the top of the story? Were you surprised by that? I felt that. That number seemed low to me. I thought it'd be more. 53% of the respondents had over 50, 50 or more. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's just a significant amount. Um, for me, I don't know that I was, I, yeah, I was a little bit surprised by the, the heft of that number. Um, so basically, uh, to answer KYC demands, the sell side is asking for more information. And uh, basically, hedge funds. The reason why it's growing, the reason why that number is growing is because their trading strategies are becoming more complex. They're becoming more sophisticated. Uh, they need to diversify their portfolios. So that's kind of what's leading to this increase in the number of counterparties that they're dealing with. Um, so the sell side, they're asking for a lot more information because of new uh, information, because uh, of new regulation. And it's not standardized information. And as a result, it can take several weeks and in extreme cases, uh, several months to get new um, trade agreements up and running. Uh, it's a pain in the ass and it pisses off portfolio managers because they have to, because they usually enter into these agreements because they have a specific trade idea in mind that, you know, can be time sensitive. So anyway, uh, Bloomberg goes launches into the exchange. I'm not going to get in depth about how the platform works. Um, uh, basically the article does that. You can read that. Um, but basically it just takes a flat unstructured document and turns into a digital set of information that can be reused for whenever a new trade agreement is needed to be made. Um, what I found interesting is this launch came on the heels of market uh, with its counterparty manager suite of solutions, which includes KYC.com. Uh, they're building out a due diligence tool to help firms navigate uh, electronic trading requirements. Um, they're also rolling out new services to address is the protocols and G2 margin requirements. Um, and they, they announced that PIMCO has expanded their partnership with them to include uh, KYC.com to PIMCO's onboarding suite of solutions. And then that was before that came Thomson Reuters, which has a managed service org ID platform um, that they've been touting that they've been growing their client base and that they put out a survey recently that said that um, the average cost to meet uh, KYC obligations of 800 respondents, six, so the average was about 60 million, and some are spending up to 500 millions on compliance with KYC and customer due diligence uh, demands. So basically, uh, to wrap it off, the, the sell side is getting tired of having you know this this massive pain of KYC solely left to them. The buy side is tired of the onboarding process taking so long. Uh, so hence this drive to improve automation, and specifically, you know, they're going to kind of turn to third parties for this. Um, so you have Bloomberg, you have Market, you have Thompson Reuters; those are the big boys. Of course, there's uh, the Swift uh, utility that that that's out there. Um, the Irish firm uh, Fenergo has entered and made some waves. Uh, you have Trapitz and Alacra are also in the space. Um, I'm sure there's some others that I'm missing. Um, so it's a tech space that seems to be heating up. 
And the thing to keep an eye on is that the buy side is going to have to expect more responsibility when it comes to the onboarding process. So, you know, hedge funds, they hate to turn their information over uh, because they're worried about information leaks and trading strategy leaks. Um, so the way forward here would seem is that it's going to be technology driven. Uh, that's, you know, obviously that's everything in a nutshell there. Um, but I think it'll be an interesting space to see. Who else, you know, really tries to make some waves with uh, their technology rollouts to try and win over some of that buy side business? And as the buy side says, you know, we're not doing this in-house anymore. Sure. I mean, it's I mean, Dan basically says it. you have it right here. He tells Waters that the idea behind Entity Exchange is to automate what have until now been largely manual processes. I mean, that's the essence of every technology. Yeah, everything's every, done through email. You know, well, especially in these things, these trade agreements are just done back and forth email, email, email. Which also shocked me and you touch on it rightly so as a massive potential for a security breach or issue the fact that you have these email chains the other big part of it right is that so cybersecurity as it becomes a bigger risk you know you need to you know bloomberg which has you know it's three point authentication which has its biometrics uh which is included in a bloomberg terminal that's a big part that's a big selling point now for the buy side to also say we we can't you know you saw the sony hack we can't have this happen to us it would be you know it'd be pretty bad if it if it happened yeah, it seems like just leaving yourself out for exposure something else that kind of stood out to me and maybe this is kind of specific this is this is specific to the bloomberg uh they said four years they've actively been uh trying to develop the platform to help the buy side i guess i mean with things like that though that's always yeah so they've always had obviously these services so it's not saying that oh four years ago they said we're going to create um okay create this platform okay. what they said is four years ago all right we really have to start focusing and building out our tool base and then once they kind of had that tool base built out, it's like, all right, now let's really centralize it and create this platform that can um, make these documents, di digitize them, and uh, and improve the process now. Now we just have one service that can do everything else that we've been doing in kind of clusters. Yeah, because I was going to say, we're, I mean, our bread and butter are these news, news stories, like these news releases. And I always try to find out, get an idea of the timeline. And you rarely see it go over 24 months. It's usually about a two, 24 to 18 month window where, you know, start with development, then, you know, testing, and then finally implementation. But yeah, I think that it's, uh, this is, this is what's going to, you're going to continue to see happen to this space is it's just like in everything else in technology, but specific to this is automating, you know, a largely manual process. It's nice to talk about something that doesn't use the B word at all as an end all be all solution. I think you know what the B word is. No, what's the B word? Starts with bit, ends with oin. Um, yes, yes, Or yes, not, yes. no, I should start, start with block, ends with ain. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's nice to see something that doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, or machine learning. Or, this is just pure kind of technology. Um, so yeah, so I think it's I think it's an interesting space to go. What, in your perspective, is there anything that you're really keeping your eye on going forward now for the future? I don't think that there's, yeah, I mean, now it's just, you know, to see who wins what clients, and I'm going to go out and start talking to some of my buy side, you know, contacts just to find out what they're thinking about some of these platforms. That's kind of the next step for me, but I've only just uh, recently begun that, but I'm sure there'll be a feature that we'll have, that we can have a whole conversation about. Sure. Speaking of features, uh, next week, starting next week, starting, or Tomorrow. Technically, starting tomorrow, the, fir the first uh, feature will go live tomorrow. Agilos's feature, um, I can't remember what his is on. Apologies. Uh, but then the cover story will be Tuesday, and then everything else will roll out. Everything will be live by Friday. We can do a little bit of a deeper dive on that uh, 
on that next week. But keep an eye out for those. Some great features. My feature is obviously fantastic. Um, I mean, it was fantastic at helping me fall asleep. But I thought it was great. In that that's regard. every water story. <laughs> um, I guess is before we move on to kind of the more non fintech stuff. Is there anything else? Anything in the news that you'd want to touch on? Well, there is something in the news, and it's uh, has nothing to do with fintech. Uh, it's okay. Game of Thrones. So, okay, well, that was going to be, that was my non-fit yeah. I was, uh, yeah, but yeah, I decided to do a better transition and you were just doing there. You were just beating this tech you thing. You know, I had you this kept whole on thing. dragging out the tech thing this... and I'm like, let's move on already. God. Sorry. Sorry. I wanted to talk about fintech for our fintech podcast. My apologies. Should feel bad about that, but got off on, I, I, I just, I got so angry. So oh, hold on, hold on. Before yes. you get started, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you get started, let's. Give, even though I know you're going to be pissed, let's give a warning. If you're a Game of Thrones fan and you're not fully caught up, now would be a good time to shut off the podcast. We already got your click, so we really don't care. You've already into our metrics. doesn't matter if you listen to the whole thing. Um, but they're going to, you will miss a good uh, rant about uh, Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather, and Conor McGregor. I'll put so. the timing at the bottom so you can come, come back in. But if you're a Game of Thrones fan, stop listening right now. This is your final warning. Tony, begin. All right, so... Big uh, big event happens in Game of Thrones. Um, you know, you can uh, mention it now. Yeah, no. So Hordor uh, gets uh, his character is killed. You find out that his uh, that his stutter and his uh, the fact that he can only say his own or what you thought was his own name was um, because uh, he had to hold the door. I, I'm not going to do a good job explaining. Just watch the damn show. If you already saw it, then you know what the hell happened. Anyway, one of my a couple friends. I don't write anything the night of um, on Facebook, but I don't, I don't care that when people do put up, excuse me, uh, do put up, <laughs> do put up uh, spoiler kind of stuff on um, on Facebook or whatever from a, a television event or from a sporting event. And the reason is, this. so one, like one person was like, uh, you know, that they like, oh, you ruined the end of it for me because you thought you were all uh, posting stuff that thinking that you were being cryptic, but you weren't and the end was ruined for me. And a couple of people put up stuff like that. And to me, this is my thing on spoilers. And this is television and sport, live sporting events. Movies are different because you have to go out to a movie theater. It's a whole process to go see a movie in a theater. Sure, sure. So the show, if you if you are waiting to see a show you know, on HBO Go or whatever the next day or whatever, or you had to do something Sunday night, have some self-control and don't go on to social media. The whole point, the whole point of social media is for a community of friends, my friends who are scattered around the world, to be able to come together and be like, oh, yeah, this is great or whatever. Holy crap, what the hell happened? That's the whole point of social media. Have a little bit of self-control in yourself. Don't go on to Twitter. Don't go on to Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. Because basically what you are saying is, you are saying to all your friends or followers or whatever uh, the, the platform is, that you cannot talk about XYZ subject because I have yet to see it. You have to wait for me to see it before we can get into this. It's the ultimate in selfishness. You know when these events are happening, avoid them, and go forward. All let right? me. All right, let me, two points. First of all, if you record live sporting events to watch at a later date you're a psychopath you're a lunatic 
and you're a crazy person, and that's pre-crime, my, and we should have you locked up. My dad is actually, sometimes he would record Giants game because the stress of watching it live would drive him nuts, but... It's it's absolutely bananas. Anyone that does that, like that, you know, oh, I'm going to record a game and then and then watch it at a later point, don't spoil it. You're a crazy person. You're an absolute crazy person. I don't want you on this earth, okay? So now let's put to bed. In terms of the television, this is what I will say in defense. So I am a poor person in the fact that I still uh, mooch off my parents' HBO Go and use their passwords to watch HBO Go. So I don't have the actual channel, so I can't watch it live. Now, usually I watch it within an hour to a half hour of when it starts streaming. I also have, as many people my age, I'm 26, soon to be 27, I have a nervous tick of going on Twitter. It's just a natural habit. If I pick up my phone, I'm going on Twitter. So uh, the predicament I get into is that it will be 9.30, 9.45, I haven't gotten around to watching Game of Thrones, and I'm on Twitter, and all of a sudden I'm seeing these screen grabs, and it's a little frustrating, and I will say in defense of the people... I understand what you're saying. It is extremely <laughs> self Have some self-control. <laughs> but there are so many people out there that are literally on the internet just trolls looking to spoil things for people. There are other people that just want to... But there are so many people out there that are just like, Ah, gotcha. Hold on. That's hold the door. also the whole point of spoilers is trolls uh, for, of social media. It's trolls, and it's a community I of people that get that, together. I just think you know, in this day and age where so much of t- TV is... is, uh, is uh, ingested via DVR, via on-demand, you know, real-time, it's not like it was 30, you know, it's not like it was, what, 15 years ago when the Sopranos finale happened, and that wasn't 15 years ago, but when the Sopranos finale happened, everybody was watching, everyone was like, what the hell happened? Now it's, you're watching it all different times, so I think... I, Social I media be, also didn't exist back then either, too. I, that? It did, too. There was MySpace and all that, Facebook, and I guess I, what I would say is I wouldn't have a problem, maybe, I think we should have like a, a an agreement that after a certain period of time, then it's okay. Whether that's 24 hours. I have a great million dollar idea. Billion dollar Let's idea. hear it. Let's hear it. It's, some, it's an app that you can put in on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever that any reference to... Filters, basically. Filter, yeah. Filter will just remove those uh, posts from you know Facebook That'd from Twitter. That would be great. That would be great. Because you know what? On the other hand, I do see it. When you're watching it live, you do want that interaction of this person telling you this and this person telling you this. Like, I, I, At the end of that, all I want to do is like, because it was me and my girlfriend watching, I'm like, God, get away from me, honey. And so I'm just <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'm like, I want to go talk to my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go talk to my friends about the end of uh, about uh, Hordor's demise and how uh, another Stark causes a horrible thing to happen. You know, It's an, it's an interesting d- debate. Uh, before we switch topics, any theories, anything you'd like to propose about what's going to happen in Game of Thrones going forward? I, I, I know for a fact that nothing's going to happen with Daenerys because nothing ever happens. She's still in the same damn place that she's been the whole damn book. Go north, goddammit. I wanted... I'm, uh, yeah, no, no. See, I had to see... I call her Khaleesi. And then I guess there's... Uh, apparently there's like a group of people that don't like d- her being called Khaleesi because she's not Khaleesi anymore. She's not a Khaleesi anymore. Her name is I don't Dennis. read that much into it. I just... You know. She's nerds. got a lot of... She's got nerds. a lot of names. I hate nerds. Ugh, the worst. Uh, speaking of people that are... Two people that are not nerds. Uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Uh... Everyone's favorite hot take machine, Colin Coward, reported on his radio show earlier this week, essentially that uh, he knew for a fact this September 
uh, Col- uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor were going to fight in a boxing match. It was going to be in Vegas. He essentially said that he had booked his rooms, book it, it's done. He got, he knows he spoke to a promoter or whoever he spoke to. He has sources. It's going to be announced in a few weeks. And uh, this kind of snowballed into a bigger story, which then, as Anthony being a purist, boxing purist, and as you know, myself, I wouldn't call myself an MMA purist, but I'd say myself more of an MMA fan than a boxing fan. We got into a bit of a debate. So I guess to start, I'll be the gentleman, uh, age before beauty. Uh, what is your take on the Mayweather uh, McGregor Expertise fight? and intelligence and knowledge before, you know, ignorance. But I've been writing as a freelance boxing writer for a publication called Box Magazine since I think, God, it must have been 1998 I started writing for them. Um, I've been that shows how goddamn old you are. (laughs) (laughs) I've been (laughs) I've been uh, writing uh, for uh, publications like MMA Fighting, um, Yahoo Sports. I used for Yahoo Sports. We we get it. We get it. Okay, easy with the brags. All right, we get it. So I know both sides. I know both sports very very well. And what amazed me when I listened to this stuff is that people cannot see that this is a pathetic attempt by McGregor, probably. The UFC too, even though Dana White has said no, 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 it's never going to happen, um, to get attention, and they're using Mayweather's celebrity to build up their celebrity. Um, it ha- you always see this happen all the time, but basically, there is not enough money in this fight for Mayweather to risk his record to go and make this fight happen. Who's going to pay for it? That's the problem you're going to face. The UFC certainly isn't going to pay for it. HBO isn't going to pay for it. Showtime isn't going to pay for it. Not the kind of money that Mayweather would expect. Mayweather is making hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, He's not going to go and just be like, okay, I'm going to come back and fight for $5 million, $10 million here against uh, Conor McGregor. Also, people do not understand boxing fans, I don't think, in this regard. Mayweather was getting these big million uh, million buy pay-per-views all on his own. Um, but that was boxing fans you know will pay for that kind of stuff. So many boxing fans cannot stand watching MMA. They can't they, they just don't understand what's happening the rolling around. They just don't it's not their kind of thing. Just because you have a boxer, you know, doesn't mean that, you know, that they're going to always just because you have a boxing fan doesn't mean they're gonna like all fighting sports. I happen to like all fighting sports, but so there isn't going to be this this huge interest that ESPN and Fox is trying to make it believe because UFC has done a brilliant job of really getting their product known on ESPN and Fox. But if you actually go to boxing fans and you go McGregor, like I oh, asked yes, the Irish kid, you know, but no one knows who he is, no one's going to pay. The $100 or $75 that a pay-per-view would have to cost for a Mayweather fight. No one's going to pay it. I mean, it'll get buys. Don't get me wrong. It'll probably get a, it might get close to a million buys. Here, here's the counterpoint. Okay. And I'm going to reference a great movie by the name of Private Parts. Autobiography or biography of Howard Stern. Paul Giamatti's character is called Pig Nose, Pig Face or whatever. Pig vomit, pig vomit, right? And at one point before Howard Stern is hired by NBC, he's talking about his stats. And he says, fans of Howard Stern listen to Howard Stern for an hour and a half. Reason given, they want to hear what he's going to say next. People that hate Howard Stern listen to listen to him for two and a half hours. Reason given, they want to hear what he's going to say next. Now, my point is this. You're right. 
boxing fans probably don't know who McGregor is. We disagree. I think McGregor's a far bigger star than you give him credit for. He's all over the place. He's all, and I know you're going to say, who watches SportsCenter? He's all over ESPN and SportsCenter. All over. And you could say whatever you want about that show. That's still a pillar of the sports media and of media community in general. Okay? Boxing fans will watch this fight because they will hate watch it. They will want to see an MMA guy get destroyed by Floyd Mayweather. We can argue. We can we can talk about how that fight would go down. I know how you feel. We don't have to get into that. People will buy it. It's just the same reason why... It's, it's cost too much. If it was free, then yes, they'd no, watch it. No, see, I 100% disagree. I think a boxing fan will want to be able to watch so they can say... So they can, again, get... See, this is why we can bring a full circle. goes back to social media. So they can go on Twitter and show the video that they recorded, show the Snapchat that says, look at that. That's why boxing will always be better than... Because people will want... Uh, case in point, would you buy that fight? I buy every fight. I bought Larry right. Holmes fighting okay, okay. Butterbean, so right. I'm the wrong guy to ask on that. What I'm saying... My point is, though, that... Boxing fans, even if they don't aren't a big fan of McGregor, every guy in MMA is every MMA fan is going to buy that fight because they love MMA and there's the the secondary. Exactly, child love MMA. They're not going to want to watch no, a boxing fight. But you're missing the point. It's this is a this is a collision of two completely separate. You know why? Why do people? Why do people love the UEFA Championships, right? Because it's all, the, or why do people love the Olympics? Yeah, I was gonna say it's the same sport. <laughs> because no, but it, because it's all the different countries, and you're rooting for your country, and you're rooting for your team. This is Team MMA versus Team Boxing, two extremely big loyal fan bases that are coming against each other and fighting. We have people outside looking at us. Clearly, we're talking far too loud. Um, I think it'd be huge. I think it'd be huge buy rates. I'm not saying it's gonna be Mayweather Pacquiao buy rates, but I'm saying it's gonna be huge buy rates. Again, and I don't listen. I agree that it, probably, it could probably get to about a million uh, pay-per-view buys, which is a huge number. Both for, I mean, UFC very rarely ever hits a million pay-per-view buys. Boxing only does it with its biggest stars. So UFC has a package event that you buy, whereas at boxing you're largely only buying the main event pay-per-view. Um, so yeah, I'm not saying that it's not going to be a big event. It's going to be a huge sporting event. Don't get me wrong. In order to get the money. That's what people forget. Is it all comes think, down to money, Don't Dan. you think they would recognize it is going to be huge buys, so it's worth it to put up the money? No, no, but it's not going to be huge enough to get that money that they need to make it a viable event. Again, because it's got to be an independent... Why, why is HBO or Showtime going to take on the risk of that thing being a one-fight tank job or not, you know, just, you know, that just pissing off people? They're not... Just trust me on this when I say... I could be wrong, and we can have a podcast. You come back and tell me how wrong I am. They're not going to spend money. And then the other key piece of this is Dana White, unless he's getting a huge cut of this, there's no chance he's allowing that fight to happen. It will be lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. The fight will not happen. And why would Mayweather want to go in against a guy who just lost a fight? Everybody tries to think that McGregor, listen, this is more racism than anything. McGregor is huge because he's white Irish. Right now, you have great fighters like Demetrius Johnson, John Jones, uh, John Bones Jones. Those guys are amazing, amazing fighters. McGregor's a very, very good fighter who has a great personality, but he's, you know, it's kind of like John Duddy. John Duddy became a huge boxing, uh, you know, attraction because he's Irish. That's the reason why he's big. If Conor McGregor was any other kind of ethnicity, especially if he was black or Hispanic, he would not be the draw he is today. That is a simple fact of the matter. Well, John Bones Jones has also had his issues outside of the... But the he ring. was a champion for a long time before those uh, issues came t came up. I mean, that's... And I think he was, a, he was a big star when, when that happened.
But it wasn't a household name. And I, I also, right. also, you have to recognize that the UFC has grown since John Bones Jones was big, and since it was just a couple of years ago, man. Yeah. It's... But uh, all right, look how look how far you have one of the stars of the sport starring in one of the biggest blockbuster movies of the year a couple of years ago. Not starring, but featured in one of the biggest blockbusters. You had Ronda Rousey in Fast and Furious, okay, which you could laugh about Fast and Furious, but box offices did huge. So the Before sport that, you had grown. Gina Carano. Yeah, exactly. How many movie? How many big time blockbuster movies was Gina Carano? A couple of big things. I can't remember what, but yeah, at the IMDb. that's exactly the sport has grown exponentially. So the star of the sport is going to grow exponentially. So I don't know. also just I love that you also com- like McGregor is a huge sports fan. He's a he's a household uh, name among sports fans. But people have got to stop throwing around. He's a household name. He's a household name. Tiger Woods is a household name. Floyd Mayweather was a household name. He's on Dancing with the Stars. He's appeared on multiple. Wait, 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 People that do not watch SportsCenter do not really know Conor McGregor. Maybe they've heard the name, but uh, yeah, I think I've heard him, but they have no idea what he looks like or anything like that. De La Hoya was a household name. Tiger Woods, that's a household name. McGregor is not a household name. To try and make it seem like this guy is this star that will just bring everybody to the table. Let's see if he can bring, let's see if he can get a million pay-per-view buys for his next fight in the UFC, much less become a drawing card in boxing. Saying if it's Mayweather McGregor, you're gonna have Team UFC buy all the buys, and you have Team Boxing buy all the buys. And it's gonna. Be I hope huge, it happens just so I can prove it wrong. But okay, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. Uh, but I will be correct in that. Colin Cowherd's an idiot for putting this out there with such authority. We should be allowed to call him an idiot when this fight doesn't happen. Fair enough. A uh, couple housekeeping notes. The Waters rankings still open. Voting closes Friday, June 3rd, which is a week from tomorrow, week from Friday at 11.59 p.m. East, uh, Eastern time. 30 categories, five headings, uh, five different ca- uh, under five different subheads, trading services, trading tools, data management, compliance, risk management, and the back office, and finally, infrastructure and connectivity. Don't use your personal emails. Don't do it if you're a vendor. Don't do it if you're a PR agency. Um, the luncheon will be July 14th in uh new york uh also i will be heading to toronto the week after next i'll be there monday tuesday wednesday tuesday for our uh conference and then monday tuesday for meetings if you are based in the area and would like to meet up reach out send me an email send me a tweet whatever you'd like also uh you know we always say this but spread the word you know we'd love to the the more people we reach the more feedback we can get the more we could tweak the podcast so whether you're listening now um, either let us know or let other people know about the podcast. The more listeners we can get, the more we can grow. We're still, like I said, we're still working on guests now. We have one lined up and we're going to go from there. Um, so that will be in the in the coming months. You know, It's going to be a big summer for Waters Podcast. Uh, before I go, Anthony, do you have anything else you'd like to add? I got nothing. Well, thanks so much as always for joining us. Have a great Memorial Day weekend and uh, we will see you on next Thursday. 